Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Change how American manufacturing's perceived in our nation. Put the first letters of those eight words together and you have the word champion. My guest today is the founder of a nonprofit organization called Champion Now. His mission? to change the image of manufacturing from the stereotypical dark and dirty industry to one that's filled with advanced technology and innovation and promising careers for the next generation. Today, he's here to tell you why this mission is so important, what he's doing to fulfill this mission, and hopefully to inspire you to take action as well. Let me introduce him. Terry M. Iverson is the third generation leader of Iverson and Company, a machine tool distributorship and rebuilder in Des Plaines, Illinois. Terry has been calling on machine shops and manufacturing companies for decades. Terry has spent thousands of hours speaking at schools about manufacturing in America and has participated on advisory boards. He has served on the TMA Education Foundation, the CTE Education Foundation, and chaired the National Visiting Committee for FLATE. Florida Advanced Technological Education Center. Terry has been married to his wife, Kathy, after meeting their junior year in high school with three adult children and soon to be eight grandchildren. Terry studied mechanical engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Marquette University. Terry founded Champion Now with the vision of changing perceptions of manufacturing careers in hopes of assisting to solve the skills gap crisis in this country. You can hire Terry as a speaker, purchase autographed books, or have your student slash child apply for the Jerry R. Iverson Manufacturing Memorial Scholarship at www.championnow.org. And Terry invites you to join the Champion Now organization. Terry, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Joe. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Terry. And you know, kicking things off here, I know your family has some some really deep roots in American manufacturing. It's always cool to you know, see that getting passed down through the generations. I'd love to hear a little bit of your backstory. Well, it started with my grandfather. My grandfather went to work for a machine tool builder, Hardinge, in Chicago back in 1925. He basically was sweeping floors. And he was always very good in math and science, which my father, myself, and my uncles have all been the same. And so consequently, they realized that that he had this ability to, you know, understand concepts, engineering concepts. And so very quickly, he was moved into more of a engineer type role with really little or no uh, formal education. He had quit going, I don't know if he even finished high school, to be honest, because his father had passed and he had to become the breadwinner for the family. So I'm I'm not totally certain that he ended up finishing high school, to be honest. So that being said, my dad got involved in the business. Well, let me back up. When Hardings was bought out, 
by the Kala company in Elmira, New York, they wanted to move and did move the company from Chicago to Elmira. And so consequently, when that happened, there was three people they asked to, to actually join in New York and, and relocate. And my grandfather just couldn't, he just couldn't move, pick up and move, you know, all family members, you know, that quickly. So he graciously asked, he declined, of course, and he graciously asked, if you need a, a representative, I'd be glad, I'd be honored to represent you, which they said yes. So that was the foundation of our company. Going forward, my dad out of college decided to join. He had a lot of offers to go into a lot of different ways uh, in terms of his education down at Florida State. And he ultimately decided to go to work for his dad. So his older brother, Ed, decided to start a machine shop, which he did, checking machine products. And his younger brother, after joining my dad in the company, uh, John Iverson was up in Wisconsin and he sold for with my dad and for my dad in Wisconsin until he bought a company and started a machine shop, which ultimately ended up being about 700 plus strong as a, a job shop. And then he, in the late nineties, he sold that company. My other uncle, Ed, who passed, my dad passed, as you probably mentioned earlier, uh, a couple of years ago, and my uncle passed probably three or four years ago. And his company's still thriving under the leadership of his son-in-law, Tim. And I know kind of your experiences have led you to what you've done in recent years, founding a 501c3 called Champion Now. Tell us a little bit about what that's all about. Well, when I was on the CTE Education Foundation in D.C., uh, Brian Albrecht out of Wisconsin, who's just a charismatic leader in every way, had invited me to be on the CTE Education Foundation. And I'd been involved in all these advisory boards and the TMA Foundation, Education Foundation, Inflate. And so consequently, I'm on the plane thinking, you know, I really should try to put all these experiences and thoughts and uh, ideas together and try to make an impact, you know, more than speaking to high school students, you know, one class at a time. So I'm sitting writing on a napkin, true story, change how, change manufacturing, change perceptions. So the word champ came out pretty quickly. And then the, the fact that it's American manufacturing. So it Champion Now stands for Change How American Manufacturing is Perceived in Our Nation. And that's basically what the foundation and the, uh, the organization is, is to change perceptions and help make manufacturing careers not this best kept secret in our country. So that was in 2012 when I officially formed the organization. And then now I have to point out is the call to action. And so I I call out all the owners of companies throughout the country to join in and, and get in the fray, so to speak, uh, of doing something about it. That's great. To talk about some of the things you're you're doing, you know, physically within the organization. So in the beginning, in 2012, the organization was pretty much myself. You know, it, it's a it's a volunteer organization. We don't have employees, uh, not yet at least, but it's rapidly growing. So what's happened is we've garnered six, five or six, maybe soon to be seven or eight uh, board members that are around the country, different locations, different experiences. And we're trying to become more diverse so that we have different points of reference and, and thought process and contribution. So in about 
2013 on a flight over to Taiwan, actually, I was locked in a, in a cylindrical tube for 13 hours uh, in the air. And I have a real tough time focusing and concentrating and sitting in one place. So that, that's hard for me. So I said, all right, I'm going to be productive. I'm going to start writing some things down. And so in 2018, five years later, I ended up finishing my first book, which is Finding America's Greatest Champion. Then as during COVID, uh, I realized that there was time to pr possibly produce videos for education so that I could, you know, gradually and very sublimely, so to speak, educate people about manufacturing, young people about manufacturing and how really awesome and cool it really is. So I produced 22 videos with my friend, Dennis uh, Spath from Cutting Tool Engineering Magazine, he helped me produce those 22 videos, which we just posted on our YouTube site probably over the last maybe four or five weeks. And then, uh, then recently I finished my second book, which is Inspiring Champions in Advanced Manufacturing. And probably the most exciting latest news is we just launched a camp called Camp Champ, which is a camp that introduces to our camp that we run twice a day for multiple days around the state of Illinois and ultimately around the country, where we introduce young people, middle schoolers, with the help of high schoolers, mentoring the middle schoolers into manufacturing a pen with laser engraving so that their name is on the case of the pen. And they go through a process of assembling the pen and manufacturing the pen during the camp. And so, you know, kind of draw things out a little bit specifically when you have the middle schoolers that are being mentored by the high schoolers, then they get to high school, then they become the mentors and they're mentoring middle schoolers going forward. And hopefully it draws into the Project Lead the Way or CTE programs long-term. Oh, that's really great. And I've, I've heard people talk about, you know, it's, it's almost, we have to get to people at that age, even reaching high school kids sometimes halfway through high school can be a little bit late to kind of really shed light on manufacturing. So I love that you're going all the way into the middle schools and the way you've set up a mentorship program. So it's really great. Terry, you know, you, you mentioned your two books a second ago here. I was just kind of looking as I was prepping for this conversation, the, the Amazon description for your most recent book, Inspiring Champions in Advanced Manufacturing reads, Terry Iverson challenges the assumption that sustainable careers may only be achieved through a college education. Through his own love and mastery of the fine art of manufacturing, Iverson contends that careers in manufacturing offer stability, security, and prosperity for our entire nation. Unpack that a bit more for us. Well, what our industry has done, or I should say what our industry has not done, is that we haven't really become good advocates for our own craft. There's been a media misunderstanding, even a misunderstanding from government officials and politicians. And just in general, if you're in manufacturing, and you may can attribute to this uh, and, and confirm this, uh, Joe, is you go to an event and you try to explain what you do. And you get this glazed look in people's eyes, like, what? There's manufacturing still in this country? And you, you know, have a tendency to roll my eyes, like, oh my gosh. So basically, the point needs to be made is that we need to convey and we need to, you know, promote the manufacturing careers that we have way better than we have. And we've gotten by all these years, all these decades, but 
1980, when I started, it was it was a problem and it's gotten way worse over the last 43 years. So what I tried to do in, in both books, uh, the first book and then most recently the second book, is put stories and testimonials and different information that can convey to the, in this particular book, the two main parties, which it's a, it's a two-sided book. It's got aside for the the student edition and the parent edition. And so it it actually, as you can see, it it physically is two-sided. So there's no back cover. This particular one was, I was fortunate enough to have it endorsed on the front side by Barbara Humpton, who is the CEO of Siemens USA, which I think is really cool. So basically what the intent is, is the student and parent in our country, what we have this a lot of us that are so fortunate to be able to save enough money to send our children to college, we kind of, you know, pack them up and send them off and say, figure it out, you know, when you go to college. And that's all well and good, except it's it's not necessarily what may be best for every single young person. You might have three children. It may be great for one, but not the other two or vice versa. And so consequently, what I try to do in the book is get the student to read from one side, the parent to read from the other, and then ask questions early on between the two of them as to what's right for that given individual, for that child. It may be going to college. It may be, you know, going into a technical school or, you know, night school at work, you know, earn and learn at the same time, which many manufacturing companies do quite a bit and are, you know, delighted to do. But there has to be a fit with your child or the student as to, you know, what excites them? What are they passionate about? What are they good at? And, and what are their, their attributes and what kind of skill sets do they possess? The last thing that I'll say is that by having this dialogue, there's a lot of young people that their parents can't afford to save for school. And so a lot of them, I've had parents approach me thinking that they failed their child. That's just simply not true. But the case is that we don't want our young people to go into debt and saddle their future with this mountain of debt that they owe, but instead put them in, in front of a career path where they can either earn and learn at the same time, or the costs are so much less and the potential salary ranges that they can achieve is so much greater than what might be otherwise. Terry, do you find that the perception of manufacturing by parents is not really representative of what you see happening out there right now? That's an understatement. Yes. And I don't blame the parents. The parents, they don't know what they don't know. All of our parents throughout this great country, they want what's best for their child, but their point of reference is only their point of reference. So manufacturing back in 1980, when I started was one thing. Computerization was just coming on. Automation wasn't even in sight and didn't really come in to play into the 90s and beyond. So I've lived in, in the manufacturing sector and it's been my career. And so I've seen the progress over all these decades, but a lot of the media and a lot of the politicians, they don't even understand the impact and how important manufacturing is to our country or you know, what the perception even is because their perception is pretty much the same. So a lot of the government, there's a lot of different ways that you can measure and have you know statistics and data to evaluate. Well, one way of measuring is total employment. 
right? Sounds logical. Well, total employment, if manufacturing's robust and healthy, because of automation, because of efficiency, chances are total employment will go down no matter what. Well, all of us in this country, our culture assumes that total employment going down means that manufacturing is declining and going away entirely. And that's not true. So the other thing is that people in manufacturing are all you know, really reaching out and trying to project that we're, we need people, employees and workers desperately, which is all very valid. Well, meanwhile, if you really look at it, the demographics of the generation after the baby boomers that generation, you know, the next generation after that, I'm a, a, one of the later baby boomers at the end, so to speak. But the generation demographics wise are at least 10 million workers less than the previous generation. So that's why you have all these other companies saying the same thing. Well, in reality, manufacturing needs the workers even more so. And as, and this is the interesting dichotomy of it all, is that as more automation and more computerization comes into the play of manufacturing, the more skill you're going to need and the more complicated and the more engineered the jobs become, and then the pay will increase accordingly. Not to mention the baby boomers that are retiring and the void left by that you know gap where we thought for one or two generations, manufacturing was totally gone, which once again is not true. And so you have so few spaces and just from a supply and demand, the actual wage rate and the actual pay and salary for these particular positions will increase just simply because the supply and demand. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I'm really excited to announce an incredible event our team at Gorilla76 will be co-hosting in late January and early February of 2024 in Austin, Texas, just for marketers in the manufacturing sector. I'm going to hand it to our strategist, Peyton Warren, to give you the details. Hi, I'm Peyton Warren, strategist at Gorilla76. Over the past few years, our team has been running twice per month digital learning events for industrial marketers called Industrial Marketing Live. It's been a huge success, and we're seeing 50 to 100 manufacturing marketing folks show up regularly. But one thing this group has told us is that they've been itching for a live, in-person event just for them. Well, we're super excited to be teaming up with True Marketing and Kadena's Part Solutions to deliver exactly that. January 31st through February 2nd of 2024, we'll be co-hosting the Industrial Marketing Summit in Austin, Texas. We have an incredible lineup of speakers for day one who will be covering topics that include SEO in the dawning era of AI, high impact product marketing, elevating the role of marketing within your manufacturing organization, and giving out a demand generation playbook for B2B manufacturers. And that just skims the surface. On day two, we'll be conducting in-depth breakout sessions to go deeper on some of these key topics and help you apply them inside your own organizations. Not only will this be an intensive learning event with some of the sharpest minds in the industrial marketing space, but we'll be hosting social events in the evenings with great food and venues for networking with other manufacturing folks who are trying to solve the same kinds of marketing challenges you are. We're limited to 300 seats, so visit industrialmarketingsummit.com to learn more and reserve your ticket. We'd love to see you in Austin. 
Carrie, what's it been like for you running champions now, you know, putting on these camps, you know, seeing people respond to your books? What's it like when you see that light bulb go on and you realize like somebody's looking at manufacturing differently than they were before they ran into you? Like, do you see that happen? And I'm just curious what that transformation in their mind looks like. Well, I can explain one interaction with a mom. I was speaking at Oakton Community College at a a group that was far far smaller than I would have hoped. And so I did my presentation and this was quite a number of years ago. And I I don't think I'd written either book at that point. And so the mom came up to me with her, I think it was her son. And she was literally crying. So this was probably the most impactful example. And I'm like, gosh, I hope it's not something that I said that upset you. And she goes, no, 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 it is something you said, but it didn't upset me. I'm crying because I'm happy. And I said, okay, could you explain a little bit? And she says, well, I thought I failed my child because I can't afford to pay for college. And I said, well, that's unfortunate, but you know, you've, I'm sure you've done everything you could for your child. And that doesn't mean you failed your child. And she says, but by coming tonight to listen to you speak, you gave me hope that I didn't, maybe I didn't fail my child and there's hope for him to find his path to success that doesn't cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I said, well, that's my intent. That's my hope. So whether someone's reading a book or watching a video or their child comes to a, a camp that we run, my intention is that I was not satisfied in the mid nineties when I started speaking to high school just talking to a few students at a time. I wanted to make an impact that was much bigger, much broader. In probably less than a year and a half, my family will celebrate 100 years in manufacturing. And so I felt obligated and still do and compelled to you know, inform, inspire as many parents and students as I can, helping our industry, but helping our young people just as much, if not more so. Oh, that's great. Those are the types of stories I imagine we want to want to replicate as much as possible. Well, Terry, it's been a pretty wild time in American manufacturing. You know, over the last decade, we've witnessed supply chain chaos, a push for reshoring, yet a shrinking workforce, rapid advancement of robotics and automation, explosion of AI and machine learning. It's a lot to process. As, as you kind of look ahead over the next decade, what do you believe that American manufacturers need to focus on to stay relevant and continue to prosper? So first of all, I think what I'm working on and what I'm trying to help owners and business owners and leaders in in our industry is the recruitment, the inspiration facet for our skilled workforce. I think that has to be a focus. It should have been a focus prior to now, but now it's absolutely imperative that more people jump on board. Manufacturing Day, one of the reasons that I published and wrote and published the books is to be a resource for Manufacturing Day. And and if owners out there haven't jumped on the Manufacturing Day bandwagon, you know, October soon upon us, a lot of states are are claiming October to be Manufacturing Month, not just October 5th or October 6th each year, or I I think it's on a Friday every year, first Friday of October every year. So that being said, going forward, who knows where AI is going to take us? You know, Joe, I can't even imagine. I mean, our everyday lives, I don't know where AI is going to take us, good, bad, or indifferent. 
So that's coming. I think that we have to automate in our country more and more. We have to raise the technological bar in manufacturing more and more. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that is the more automated you become, the more computerized you become, the more you streamline your processes, the more you're going to need more skilled workforce. So by trying to be globally competitive, by trying to you know keep up with other countries and other different manufacturing processes, in essence, you're, you're going to need to fill you know, your workforce with some very skilled people. So the other thing that I would say about manufacturing is that in going through the supply chain circumstance that we did through COVID, I think there's been a realization and with some of the chain of events around the world with China and, and the impact China has on our economies and our culture, I think what many people, consumers, and those of us not in manufacturing are, are realizing is that we're, we're very vulnerable and that if COVID taught us anything, you know, we need to be a, a lot more self-sufficient in terms of making things, you know, more locally. Well, that's a win for everybody. I mean, it really is. So that means more jobs. That means more of a, a stronger working middle class. Uh, it means, you know, a vibrant economy and eventually someday in the future that are, you know, the amount we buy from China and the imbalance that we have in trade, you know, will get more in line with what it should be. So I just saw a report the other day that I thought was fascinating that it had a number of different industries and different products that are bought and the decline from about, I think it was 2017 on of how the percentage of products bought in the U.S., coming from China has decreased. A good friend of mine, uh, Harry Mosier, founded the reshoring movement. And he's the one that got me started in all this by asking me to speak to high schools and young people in high schools. And when he explained the reshoring initiative to me, you know, I, I said, Harry, that's phenomenal. It's awesome. But who's going to make all our products here at home once you bring them back? That's what got me started on Champion Now. So I, you know, I went in a roundabout way and went a lot of different directions, Joe, but I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had Harry on the show. I don't know if you knew that probably two years ago at this point. And I've posed that question quite a few times to my guests too, as we talk about reshoring and bringing jobs back and a shrinking workforce. That's sort of the question, right? Like how do, what's the answer here? If, if there's not gonna be enough workers to do the jobs, why are we bringing all these jobs back? And there's a lot, and everybody's got different perspectives on it. It's, sometimes it's about, you know, educate you kind of what you're doing, right? Educating the parents and, and the, the next generation. There's a lot of answers that come through automation and, you know, eliminating the, the manual tasks and elevating the roles of people who used to do those tasks to programming robots and to, you know, all kinds of other things. So I, it's always a, an interesting, you know, just, just, I guess it's interesting to hear different people's takes on that sort of, you know, those two things clashing, I guess. It takes time to really drill down the concepts to what the circumstance is. Not everyone understands the manufacturing ecosystem that we have. And, and once again, it, you, know, you don't know what you don't know. And those of us that have been in the manufacturing sector as long as I and others have, it, you know, it's our obligation to 
once again, inspire and inform and educate people what the reality is, because things don't ever stay the same. I mean, there's jobs, you know, you've heard this a number of times, I'm sure, Joe, there's jobs that will in five years now exist that didn't even exist today. So there's a, a constant rejuvenation of the workforce, the roles, the processes, and that's, you know, across the board, not just manufacturing. So I think our, our media needs to give a, a perspective. Uh, and I think they are starting to do that more now. I think the needle is starting to move, you know, very gradually and hopefully more rapidly towards things made in America, things being purchased in America, more people, you know, having careers in manufacturing in America. Harry, is there anything I didn't ask you about today that you'd like to add to the conversation? As far as all the questions you asked, I think it's it's point on with a lot of things. I think the only thing that I would ask is your listening audience is to, you know, jump in and, and do something to make an impact. You can do it locally. You can do it so that it, it benefits you. If you, I have a tendency to do a lot of things altruistically. And I had one, someone come up to me at one event and said, are your intentions as altruistic as they seem? I go, they are. It's hard to convey that, but that, you know, I'm sincerely trying to help our country and our young people. But one person and one organization can't do it. It has to be, you know, having products that are available, some free of charge, some sponsorships through the camp, you know, books that are really, you know, a wealth of knowledge and information, not necessarily from me, but from all the sources and all the people that I interviewed. So I, I would challenge people in your listening audience to you know jump in and, and participate and help be part of the, the solution, not complain about the problem. Yeah, good message there, Terry. I think there are a lot of great organizations right now who are doing some really special things to shed light on on the opportunity in manufacturing and change perception as as your part of your mission, right? And and so um I, I think it's great to do something, right? Get out there, find a, a way to get involved and you know, one piece at a time here. So Terry, it was really great conversation today. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and how they can learn more about everything you're doing, your books, uh, what you're doing at Champion Now, the camps you're putting on? The easiest way is to go to championnow.org. We just recently modified our website to include a video of our camp. So you can uh, sign up to, you know, right now we're doing camps in Illinois right now, but we hope to parlay that around the country. Uh, these are little tabletop CNC machines that we bring into a school and to make products and, and show the manufacturing process. But if you go to championnow.org, you can email myself, Terry at championnow.org. Our, my son is the executive director, Britt, B-R-I-T, at championnow.org. Right, presently, we have the books uh, referred to there, so you can go and buy books there. I have a Kickstarter page that's still got a couple weeks left that we're trying to get books out in the market, so to speak, to you know kickstart the embracing the message, so to you know to the around the country. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of me is is through the organization. Perfect. Well, Terry, thank you for the great conversation today, and more importantly, for everything you're doing to shed a positive light on manufacturing and like especially in you know for this next generation. We appreciate it. Joe, thank you so much for having me on. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity to spread the word, so to speak. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. 
You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.